This is the Wired Up Sports Podcast with Jerry Peralta and Josh Coleman. What a year this has been. And I mean, going into yes, going into last night for the first round of the NFL draft. I mean, it was pretty obvious what a lot of teams were going to do. I mean, I I mean there was probably one big wrench thrown in there that probably didn't need to happen. And we're going to get into that. Jerry Peralta, Josh Coleman, and you are listening to along with you are listening to the Wired Up Sports podcast. I lost track of my thoughts so quickly there. <laughs> it happens. We both it's a little bit early for us. We both were not super eager to get out of bed this morning, so it, we're a little slow. It's not only early, it's a little bittersweet as this is my last time doing the show along with you, Josh, here in the studio. Yes. As, I mean, we could still do the show. It oh, just, we're doing the show. It's still. just probably my last time here at, at KMSA 91.3 FM as I am graduating. So He's leaving me, everybody. I'm leaving him. <laughs> It's it's so sad. It is very sad. But getting over the sad stuff, looking at last night's NFL draft, I mean, like I said, there were the obvious picks going into this. It it, it was a very interesting first round. I'll say that. Obvi- and it was obvious Trevor Lawrence was going to be number one overall. He was going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we were gonna, and we are going to see how well he will do in the AFC South. He'd do good. The Jaguars have been building a team around him, so that's that could that could work. For the first, for the third time in NFL history, there were three quarterbacks taken in the first three picks of the first round, and the other two quarterbacks that we saw get drafted were Zach Wilson to the New York Jets out of BYU, and Trey Lance. The the youngest quarterback in this draft, uh, getting picked up out of North Dakota State, uh, and I mean, I, I we we discussed we we were discussing one of the articles that we saw about teams that reached and teams that won the draft, and Trey Lance to the 49ers was a reach. They that that it was uh, that it said. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. The 49ers are a very good team. And despite the quarterback issues with Garoppolo that I have. <laughs> the the many issues that you have with Jimmy Garoppolo. The many issues. <laughs> the, the team is still good. There's a lot of talent on there. So even if Trey Lance somehow takes the starting job away from Jimmy Garoppolo, he's got a system around him that would work. And he fits with what Kyle Shanahan's scheme is, so I'm not totally mad with that. The one, the one quarterback who, or the one player who I'm really, I'm not upset at the amount of hate he's getting, but I'm just, I'm just kind of surprised at how much hate he's getting, just considering who he got traded to, Zach Wilson. He is get, he is getting what the Daniel Jones treatment, as I will call it. He. he, he Everybody is expecting him to immediately turn around the Jets organization like Daniel Jones was when the Giants first drafted him. But mind you, 
the Giants traded up to get Daniel Jones. So I could see then why everybody was expecting, okay, you you need to do this, this, and this in your first year, or you need to do this kind of – you need to play this well for for this pick to not be worthless. But for Zach Wilson to be getting that same kind of treatment – and the Jets didn't trade up for him. They were already there. It, it seems a bit far-fetched yeah. to me. Yeah, I'm going to give that to you. I didn't fully understand why he was catching so much hate. I don't understand why all of these players catch a ton of hate during the draft because it's not like the players are selecting themselves. It's, it's the front offices. It's, a, it's every team that has an owner, a GM. That's who you have to be upset at. And so I, I don't fully understand the fans who were mad at like well i mean Trey Pat- lands for going to the 49ers and then the jets with zach wilson it doesn't or, or make sense the, to or, or to, to kind of bring it closer to home for you josh patrick certain and the broncos yeah that everybody is so mad or at least a lot of the reactions i've seen from bronco fans has been why didn't we pick up justin fields why didn't we get an offensive lineman why didn't we do this why didn't we do that and we're going to get into a possible reason why later in the show. But, I mean, the Broncos needed a secondary mm-hmm. player. They needed a cornerback. Because outside of Justin Simmons, they are the secondary, They the Broncos did some work. The Broncos and George Patton did some work in free agency, um, picking up Kyle Fuller on the one-year deal, uh, Oja Moutier's back, uh, Bryce Callahan's back, Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons are back. But... I don't know. I just love the pick of Patrick Sertain. I really, it, I really don't. It hate just, it, it just, it, it is a piece that but, adds more to your team than getting, than getting what Justin Fields is. And first of all, I, I am not. I'm. I don't get why people were so high on Justin Fields, especially for a Broncos. He would, he, he would not fit that organization. No, that that offensive play style does not go with Justin Fields. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's not like Justin Fields was gonna come in and be the guy immediately. He was probably for one gonna have a similar season to Drew Locke because rookie quarterbacks just don't naturally come in and ball out. It's or, unless right you're system. Justin Herbert, or Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah, but that's right system. And Herbert is just one of the more talented like naturally talented quarterbacks that we saw from last year's draft class but i mean looking at two and three again i don't necessarily hate the picks like i figured this was going to be how it went three was a toss-up between mac jones and trey lance but i think either way you're getting a similar quarterback and i think trey lance fits better than mac jones because they still want a mobile quarterback and mac jones isn't fully mobile he's not immobile but he's not the most mobile yeah, and one of the things after he was drafted was there was a concern about about him just because he he has thrown the lowest amount of or he has he has thrown the lowest amount of passes or had has the lowest amount of pass attempts in his college career compared to any one of the other um players in this or any other any one of the other quarterbacks in this draft. Mind you, he's coming from the DIAA, I think, I, Division One football. I don't, I don't remember what North, what North Dakota State is. It's, it's, they're kind of D one, but they're not really at the same time. They're, uh, D 
D1 subdivision. They're the FCS. Okay. So, so I mean, I'm pretty sure they play less games, and we talked about this last night. It's most likely that Trey Lance didn't even start his whole career. He started his final year. He only played two years at North Dakota State. His so, freshman year, he played two games through one pass. It was a completion. Um, so he had a 100% completion percentage his hey, freshman year. Uh, hey. Then he played all 16 his sophomore year. Uh, through, he was 192 for 287 for a 66.9% completion percentage, 2,786 yards, 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions, though. I mean, that could be huge. I mean, if you have a rookie quarterback who comes in after going a no intercept, throwing a no interception season, that could work. It would just be, it would depend. And I mean, looking at some of the picks that I was confused about, the main one, or the one I was thinking of that didn't make sense to me was Kyle Pitts to Atlanta. And that's not to say anything bad about Kyle Pitts. I, I think this is a great pickup. For, for any team, you know. But I just think with Atlanta at the moment, they have other needs that they probably should have addressed rather than pick up a tight end and with their fourth pick in the first round. I I would agree. This was the we watched the first, what was it, nine picks together yesterday? Um, uh yeah, because we watched all the way up yeah, to the Broncos. All the way to the Broncos, <laughs> saw my reaction. I was happy and then we went home. Um but I I wasn't surprised by the Kyle Pitts pick because I figured he was going to go top 10. I was surprised the Atlanta Falcons were the ones who picked him because, like you said, they needed more than a tight end. That offense necessarily hasn't necessarily been their problem in the last couple of years. It's been their defense and not being able to stop anybody and then forcing their offense to score like 30 points a game if they want to win. So it, it didn't make sense to me if... I thought this was a maybe a Penny Sewell pick, the left tackle or the tackle out of Oregon. Uh, he's He was obviously the best lineman in the draft. He went seven to the Detroit Lions. It just it just felt like the Falcons needed more than Kyle Pitts. He's, Pitts is a great talent. I don't want to discount his talent level, but it just didn't feel like he should have been four to the Falcons. I thought he was going top 10, like I mentioned, but it just, something felt off to me. And I don't know, if he didn't, if the Falcons didn't take Pitts, you're looking at him maybe drop into, I mean, since he could have used him. They didn't necessarily need Jamar Chase either. They they have some good wide receivers in T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. So, I mean, Pitts was going to get drafted. The Dolphins could have used Pitts. Uh, the Lions could have used Pitts. Pa- the Panthers definitely could have used him. The Broncos don't necessarily need him, but I don't think it would have been a bad pick if he slipped to nine. So, I mean, it, he wasn't going to make it out of the top ten. No, and, I mean, according to ESP, according to this ESPN, the the Falcons were in need of a tight end, but they were, but they also need, need a lot more. A lot more in the backfield, on the defensive side. So it, it was just – it was kind of a baffling pick. Um the one that it didn't surprise me, but I I just didn't expect I wasn't expecting them to or wasn't expecting a team to wait that long before drafting up. The Chicago Bears traded up with from the New York Giants to get Justin Fields. And 
I don't hate the pickup. I really don't. It's not it's not the worst thing in the world. And plus, I I mean, you're obviously not set with is Nick Foles the only one who's still there? Uh no, Andy Dalton. <laughs> oh yeah, it's Andy Dalton. I for, I, I forget because Nick Foles is gone and so is Mitchell Trubisky. No, Nick Foles is still there. Is he? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, See, so yeah, Nick Nick Foles is like Ryan Fitzpatrick. He, I, I can't I can't whoa. keep track of where whoa. he goes. Don't you don't you disrespect my men like that? All right, Ryan Fitzpatrick that, is like Nick Foles. That's probably a compliment for Ryan Fitzpatrick. We're gonna be honest. We're gonna flip it then. Fitzpatrick or Nick <laughs> Foles is like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Don't you ever disrespect my guys. Don't slander Nick Foles or or Fitzmagic, okay? Oh, I'm slandering him because I can't keep track of who they're, which team they're on anymore. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I also thought Foles was gone from the Bears, but I'm looking at uh, the winners and losers, the Mel Kuyper article, and he he's in his sentence, he says, I expect Fields to... Be the starter early over Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, which is a little bit of a bold take. I don't necessarily it's disagree, not, but I don't think it's going to be early. No, I think Nick Foles gets the start, and then... I think Andy Dalton gets the start. You they think Dalton... Yeah, they already named him QB1. Oh, well, all right. Either way. But either way, you're the Bears obviously not set with their pickup or their current quarterback situation. So bolster it with some young talent, which I get. And you put him around two, two veteran players, an, a Super Bowl MVP in Nick Foles, who could show Justin Fields how to be big towards the second half of the season. And then Andy Dalton can show Justin Fields, a little, I don't know, whatever Andy, Andy Dalton does best, really. <laughs> Uh, you, you, that was the most disrespectful way to say that, Jerry. <laughs> I don't know what Andy Dalton's a great quarterback. I just don't know any of his stats or free or. Oh, that was so. That was great. That somebody <laughs> needs to clip that. If, whether it's one of us, we need to clip that. I I will clip it just for you, Josh. Um, no, but I I get what you're saying. Uh, I wasn't fully surprised that. Fields got taken by the Bears. I actually kind of like Fields with the Bears. I they, do too. They kind of get their quarterbacks out of the pocket. Actually, when he was drafted, I was on the phone with my dad, and I think I said he's a little bit like Mitchell Trubisky because he can get out of the pocket. He's probably got a better arm than Trubisky does, um, but he can get out of the pocket. He can extend plays with his legs, and he's highly accurate on the run. So I, I think that Fields fits better with the Bears than he would have say with like the Broncos. Um so <laughs> just trying to defend that case on why he just would not fit with the Broncos. I stand by that move. But there was there was really two two moves in this draft that weren't one of them wasn't necessarily surprising. I just didn't see it happening the way it did. Um and that was Devonta Smith not being one of the first two wide receivers taken. He was the third wide receiver off the board, but I figured it was between him and Jamar Chase to be the first wide receiver off the board. And so I was a little bit taken aback when it went Jamar Chase and then Jalen Waddle over Devonta Smith. That That's fair. And, I mean, Jamar Chase going to the Bengals makes a lot of sense to me because him and Joe Burrow reunite. Mm-hmm. So so you already have that connection there between the two players. Jalen Waddle, I think, is another situation where it's, it's a two- yeah, it's a I mean, two, two a situation. So was Devonta though? 
It's really just take your it, pick of the yeah, Alabama wide receiver. Yeah, it's just right a matter there. of who from Alabama are you going to have. I mean, we'll see how it works out. It, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I mean, Jalen Hurts gets his – Devonta Smith and Jalen Hurts played together, and that's where Devonta Smith ended up was the Eagles. So, so I think they so, – So maybe just the Alabama – It's maybe the Alabama connection. The, that Alabama connection and the LSU uh, – That's really know. what it was about is – when I saw Jamar Chase was, to the Bengals, was... I was like, Joe Burrow. <laughs> and then I saw Jalen Waddle to the Dolphins. I was like, Tua. And then Devonta Smith to the Eagles, and I was like, Jalen. They just wanted to reconnect everybody. Well, I actually like Devonta Smith with the Eagles, though. It does look, It does work really well. Uh, uh, the one that it didn't baffle me, but I think is and it, it's a good idea. It's a good realization for the, for an organization who just who just got rid of their starting running back, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers picking up Naj- Najee Harris. Um, I do like the call. I do too. Because you you have to you got to bolster that backfield, and it's well, he's better than James Conner by far oh, as well. Oh yes, without a doubt. But I'm just but like it right now. You don't have anybody who is going to be your starting running back, so you pick up a guy like Najee Harris and. It'll work out. I got to say, though, before we go on break, I, lo- I love the fact that with Jacksonville's two picks that they that they got, they got both Clemson boys. They got Travis. Travis Etienne. 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 Okay. I, I swear that unless I have, like, an actual pronunciation sheet, I cannot get some of these names sometimes. See, this was my biggest question. This was the second point that I was going to bring up of why. James Robinson just came off a tremendous season for the Jaguars. Undrafted guy. You're not paying him a ton. There's low commitment, high reward. And then you go take a first rounder. I'm not trying to... Travis Etienne was, the in my mind, he was probably the second... Now I have an issue trying to decide between him and Najee as my one or two. They're both the best two backs. In they were the, in they, the they were some of the best two backs. Yeah, He's, everybody knew that they were going in the first round. I didn't think that the Jaguars were going to take him. I figured that if after Najee Harris got taken, Travis Etienne was going to slip to like the Bills at thirty because the one the Bills need a running back. They need a running game, and either Najee Harris or Travis Etienne would have been huge. But the Jaguars, like I said, it's not necessarily a need for them right now. They have other positions that they could have addressed with that pick. But bringing the Clemson connection back, and then I I don't necessarily hate it. It just didn't make sense to me. I think what what they're trying to do is they're trying to give themselves some options in the backfield. Because, I mean, because they have... Carlos Hyde as well. So you you kind of have some similarities and similarities in play style but they they all three of them kind of bring something different to the table. Yeah, but it I I think it's just it, they're they're trying to see what they could get. Fair. So Fair. I mean it's one of those you, you play with all those me. you just play with those options mm-hmm. and and see what they see what sticks. But we're going to take a quick break. Uh when we come back, there's some but while the NFL draft was going on, some drama behind the scenes for one particular organization. We're going to get into that. Jerry Peralta, Josh Coleman, wired up. 
back here on Wired Up, Jerry Peralta along with Josh Coleman, and and we just got finished. We just finished up talking about that first round of the NFL draft, kind of interesting one. Some and talked about the most the the weirdest picks or some of the better picks for uh, for or in our opinions. But I mean, what what kind of NFL offseason is it if there is not drama behind the scenes for one to three organizations? It's not a fun one. I can say that. It's not a fun one. But, I mean, this offseason has definitely been a very interesting one. The Seahawks caused, stirred up a lot of drama with the fact that Russell Wilson could be traded, which they have come out and said, no, he's here to stay and the relationship is good. He was never getting traded. He was never getting, yeah, he was never getting traded. Um, Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson, Watson wanting out of Houston, uh, almost getting. It seemed like it could have happened, but uh, but he has a couple lawsuits against him right now, just a couple. Um, and then and then now, just mere hours before the first round of the NFL draft, rumors start coming out. That Aaron Rodgers is not happy with the Packers organization and he wants out. And I gotta say, when I first saw this, because I initially saw, because that story hadn't dropped yet. What originally came out first was that the San Francisco 49ers had actually called the Green Bay Packers. That was the first article I read. That was the first thing I saw. Was yeah, was that the 49ers called Green Bay to try to get a trade for Aaron Rodgers. Turned down. I was like, "That's interest. That's weird. Why are they trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers? He's never. He's not going to leave Green Bay. He, I mean, he's been there for years. Then maybe two hours later, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. Gives his three destinations. Yeah, it was. It was a. It happened really fast. I remember I was doing some homework. I was actually. I was either doing homework or trying to set up apartment showings. And then I got your text of the article of Aaron Rodgers wants to go to the 49ers, Broncos, or I don't even remember. The Raiders. The Raiders. Ah, who cares about them? Apparently Aaron Rodgers does if he wants to go to the Raiders. He wants to go to Vegas. He doesn't want to go to the Raiders. I mean, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, but it's not. not, I'm not going to say he wants to go to the Raiders because I don't think anybody wants to go to the Raiders. But I am a Broncos fan, so take that with a grain of salt. But, you know. I take everything you say with a grain of salt. Well, that, that's mean. <laughs> I mean, the, I'm not, I wasn't fully surprised by these, though. There's always one giant draft rumor, and there's been the rumor or the steady conversation that Aaron Rodgers has been disgruntled since the Packers drafted Jordan Love last year. So I don't, I wasn't fully surprised to see that this was happening because he's been in the news several times over the last couple, well, over the last year, whether he wanted out or whether it was just false rumors. But I, I don't think the Packers are going to end up trading Aaron Rodgers. But I do love speculating. And that's what I'm going to do here. Josh, <laughs> Josh, before you start speculating... I, I'm gonna make I'm gonna save my piece and then I'm gonna okay, let you go. go. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you off your leash here. Okay. Cause 
Because after the after the pick of Patrick Sertan, with the ninth overall pick in the first round draft, a lot of people weren't happy because they picked up because the Broncos picked up a corner a cornerback instead of a quarterback, and and an or an offensive tackle. They wanted Justin Fields or some or just an offensive lineman of some sorts. So. What happens when that happens? Well, a lot of speculating, you know. Oh, does this mean that the Broncos are going to make a push for Aaron Aaron Rodgers? Is this going to happen? I I hate to I hate to rain on your parade, but it's not going to happen. I I got to stop you all there. Like Josh said, the Packers organization is not going to trade away Aaron Rodgers. They have made that very clear in their post-first-round press conference yesterday that the reason why they didn't pick a, an offensive player or a quarterback in the with their pick is because they are not interested in trading away Aaron Rodgers. He is their guy. Um, So he, he is there. Aaron Rodgers is there to stay, whether he likes it or not. And I swear I'm getting more and more Houston Texan vibes I, this could only happen to the Broncos. I'm just saying. Where a guy wants to go to Denver, but the organization just won't let them. <laughs> yeah, Josh, now you can go yeah, off your this, leash. There's a history of uh, of this kind of happening with the Broncos being eager in a guy, and then he ends up either going somewhere else or the trade kind of falls through. But, you know, I'd be very, very happy. And it would make my entire Broncos fanhood to see Aaron Rodgers in the orange and blue. It would make your Denver. whole fandom fanhood worth it. Is that what you I thought that's what you were gonna go with? Yeah. It would make it make it worth it. After the miserable five years I've had to live with since we won the Super Bowl, at this point, give me any sort of hope. Any sort of hope. I understand Aaron Rodgers is thirty seven. But last year he was playing with a rejuvenated sense of confidence and a love of the game. So why not let him play into his forties? He said he wants to. The Packers probably not going to let him play into his 40s after they drafted Jordan Love. So, Broncos, let's uh, let's send send the ship for him. I don't care if we have to give up Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. It's Aaron Rodgers. Figure it out. Find a way to get him here. I understand. They are going to be giving up so much for him. I'm just going to say that. That's Jerry, we're going to have to give up a ton for Deshaun Watson. And I'm still okay if that trade happens. Um, there's a lot more that needs to happen for that trade, though, than this one. <laughs> you, there's, lot a lot more. More, there's a lot, lot more, more waiting in that one. Yeah. rather. Than... But, but if we look at this, the last time the Broncos had successful quarterback play was Peyton Manning. Aaron Rodgers is in a better state than Peyton Manning was when he came and signed with the Denver Broncos. He had just come off a of neck surgery. Nobody really knew if he could actually grip the football and still throw it. He could. He could. I'll give John Elway that, but it's the only success he's had with the quarterback position. Now we have George Patton. I understand that this would be, one, probably the biggest move that the Broncos would make, but it's a Band-Aid at the quarterback position. But that's all the Broncos have had for the last six years, five years is a Band-Aid solution until we find a solution. And it's been a never-ending cycle of draft a QB, wait three years, draft a QB, wait three years, draft a QB, wait three years. So, I mean, at the end of the day, 
what's the harm in actually getting a guy who can play quarterback, drafting a quarterback, and then seeing if he can play in three years when Aaron Rodgers decides he wants to retire? I don't I don't see the harm in this. I understand you have to give up some some draft capital and probably a player or two or three. But as long as it's as long as you're not giving up like the entire future, you can pretty much make this trade. If it's two firsts, one second or third, Drew Locke and I don't necessarily want to say Von Miller if we're going to give him that much. Um, but he, he may need to be part of the trade. But I'm thinking actually a Bryce Callahan could be a part of that trade. Some One of our DBs. Because Sertan, Michael Ojemudier, Bryce Callahan, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, and Kyle Fuller, one of them is an odd man out. So I think that it's possible the Patrick Sertan pick was to trade for Aaron Rodgers. So I'd, I'm not ruling anything out. Jerry, you have optimistic Josh here today. I am... I'm just I I'm, I don't know how I feel about optimistic Josh. I think I don't like it. I think I need you to be down and <laughs> and, and so pessimistic. <laughs> Why? Because I I am hopeful when I'm optimistic. I'm energetic. Yeah, your hopeful is completely different from how I would define it, but okay. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it it's not like the Broncos have had their guy at the quarterback position in the last five, six years. So why not get the guy for the next three to four, maybe five, and then try to groom somebody under him, have him learn from Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Why not have him learn under him? Try to figure figure the NFL out while he still has Rodgers ahead of him. Plus, his fiance lives in Boulder, so I think that's an added bonus for him. So, um, you know, I I wouldn't complain if this happened. I don't know who in their right mind wouldn't want to see a matchup between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes twice a year. I ju- it just makes sense. It's good business for the NFL. And uh, Roger Goodell, I hope you push this trade through for the purposes of the money and for the fact that it would make my Broncos better. <laughs> okay. To go off of one point... <laughs> That would be kind of fun to watch Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers play against great. each other all like twice a year. It'd be great. Oh, it'd be so much fun. But I feel like I feel like after two seasons though, it would kind of lose its appeal. What are you talking about? I don't know. Did, I, I, did I, Brady just, versus Manning ever lose its appeal? I understand they never played each other twice a year. But when it's like but, two but that, greats but, going but, against each other, I don't know if it loses its appeal. That that's why I think the Brady Manning never lost its. Ah, I got a better one for you. Has the Duke UNC men's basketball rivalry ever lost its appeal? They play each other twice a year. Josh, you're like you're talking with a guy who doesn't really pay attention to college basketball until March Madness. So <laughs> yeah, but you're trying to tell me that that isn't one of the best games every year for both games. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's not the best games. I'm just gonna say though. Probably at some point it stops it stops drawing in money because people don't want to see it anymore. Well, it's like Tom that Brady to like hundreds of years of UNC and Duke playing men's basketball against each other. Well, I mean it's also like Tom Brady being in the Super Bowl every year. After a while, people just don't want to see it. I cheer for spite out of Tom Brady. Yeah, <laughs> we both did. Yeah. We well, yeah. I cheer against him out of spite. I can, I refuse to watch him win anymore. But at the end of the day. 
at least, I don't know if I've ever, I, I've never gotten tired of watching Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I get tired of seeing him in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think he that's probably a good game. I think that's where I'm at. It's not that it wouldn't be a good game. It's just, I think me personally, I would get tired of seeing that matchup, especially if it only goes one way. I mean, the Broncos are good. So, they, the offensive line is better. The defensive line is better. The defensive backs unit is much better. This it's a better Broncos team than we've seen in in recent years past. So I'm, I am all for this trade if we're able to make it happen. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it hap- can happen, which it won't. When we Probably come back, <laughs> the Premier Lacrosse League just had their collegiate draft earlier in the week. We're going to get into that, and we're going to talk some boxing news because th- this is the most baffling thing I've heard all, all week. Jerry Peralta, Josh Coleman. Wired up. So after talking a lot of NFL, it's kind of nice to sit back and... Talk about something different. The Premier Lacrosse League. Josh Woo. Josh and I just love this league. It's so fun to watch. We're, we're big lacrosse guys. And sticking with the idea of drafts, the, the Premier Lacrosse League had their collegiate draft a couple days ago. And, and I mean, pretty much every team won, but I got to do this. Roll Woods. <laughs> hey, man. Because... Because a lot, all these teams somehow managed to pick up pieces that they needed for their team in this draft, and they did more with the four picks that they or four or three pick four rounds they had than most NFL teams do with the seven rounds. Well, all right, Jerry, I'll I'll contest that point just slightly because. NFL rosters have like thirty more guys to fill out oh, than the PLO. Oh, I know. Do. I'm just, I'm just saying though, Josh. I'll give it to you, but I just wanted to say, I just wanted to point out that the the NFL they got to fill out a ton of more roster spots than our PLO guys do. Again, I know, but I'm just saying, it's, it, it, it was very interesting. It was. It was an interesting kind of draft, but it was pretty good. I wouldn't say there was a. A ton of surprises? No, I mean, everybody went to pretty much where they wanted to. Jeff Teat went number one to the Atlas. I mean, makes a lot of sense. The Atlas need more. They need to bolster up that attack just a little bit more. Michael Sowers went to the Water Dogs. Woo! Yeah, Josh is happy on that one. JT, JT Giles. Giles. Is, is it Giles? Okay, yeah. I wanted to say Giles, but I, was, I, I didn't know if that was the hard G, you know. JT Giles Harris, the defender go, from Duke going to the Chrome. TD Ireland going to the Redwoods. Yes, getting that face-off guy finally. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, this it was it was really good to see a lot of teams kind of address their issues, but yet somehow the whip snakes just got better. I hate it. I hate it. Don't you know you had optimistic Josh last last segment but this can very quickly turn to very angry josh 
This is just am, because am of I the gonna get snakes. pessimistic, Josh, within a matter of like minutes. Yeah, you might. The whip snakes absolutely ruined my Monday night. <laughs> absolutely ruined it. They got Connor Curse, who I kind of assumed was gonna fall to them. I was okay with that. They bolster their midfield as much as I didn't like it. That's a good pick for them. And then second round. I don't understand how this happens. Ryan Tierney gets gets picked the last pick in the second round, and he's one of the best attackmen right now in college across. I'm so mad at this. I'm so mad, Jerry. Well, there was no other attackman picked in the second round outside of Jack Carraway, who doubles as a midi slash attack. But I I would go with midfielder because that's probably what the Atlas are going to use him more for anyway. Just, just so, so so yeah, it was kind of it was kind of rough. Ryan Tierney going to the Whip Snakes. The two defenders that the Whip Snakes got too. Colin Squires and Be- and Nick Grill from Maryland. Maryland. It, both of them are so good. It it's literally everything that they needed. They addressed here. And Nick Grill was probably one of the better defenders in this draft class, and he was picked second to last pick. I'm yeah. I'm I'm not happy with this, but you know the dogs got Ethan Walker in the fourth, so there's a there's a there's some upsides, yeah. right? Yeah, the dogs use their two picks wisely. Yes. And uh, they actually used their three picks wisely because they traded um, their second-round oh, yeah, yeah, pick yeah. for Eli Gobrecht, yeah, that's who right. I really like. Yeah, they did. That's right. And, yeah, I mean, you you were quick to to say that the Whipsnakes are going to repeat yet again as champions. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily there yet. They are probably going they are probably going to be in the championship again. But this season is going to be a lot more competitive. I will say that. Because yeah, now because now teams have addressed their issues. They've added they've added some depths to their team. The move moves have been made. And and I mean, it is very possible that an, that we could see a different team ho- hoisting the the championship trophy, because I don't remember what they call it in the PLL. I think it's just the. They don't. They don't, I don't have, think a they have a special name for it. They might, but they, I can't remember. Yeah, it. I can't think of it either. But I mean, now all these teams have have made the moves there, and they all look good. This is going to be a probably one of the more competitive seasons. I mean, it's the third season, and can't. I mean, you you can only go up in terms of competitiveness. From from three seasons, so yeah, I mean, they this was a the competitiveness is going to be a lot better. I think the two teams that really win out of this of are of course the Redwoods because they get Ba-boom. they get TD the best faceoff guy in this draft, and it's that one piece that the Woods have been missing. Well, and they even picked up Charlie Leonard out of Notre Dame. Charlie Leonard's really good. Charlie Bertrand from Virginia, the attackman, really good. And so I, I like what the Woods did with this draft. The sneaky, 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 not-so-sneaky team that I really like, the Atlas. Their picks their picks impressed me. I, I think that they did a good job addressing what needed to be addressed, um, especially in their rebuild. But with that being said, I still don't think that they have the talent to fully compete for a PLL championship this year, mainly because they're just young. Yeah. They're just really, really young because they had, what, eight picks in this draft? Uh, they go Jeff Teat first, Docs, Hawk, Docs, Aitken. They had five. Five. Five picks in this draft. And they did they do a good job addressing their offensive needs. Teat on the left wing at attack. 
Docs Aiken running through the box with Romar Dennis. Uh, and now I just forgot. Brian Costabile, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I was right there with you. I, I was like, why did I just forget their best midi's name um, yeah. for the, to match with Brian Costabile? And then the two short stick D midis that they took, Peter Durth and Danny Logan, two of the best D midis in this draft. So they, the fact that they can address that and now can really, really do a lot of things with their defense, I think is a huge boost for the Atlas. But I also like Jack or Jake Carraway from Georgetown, the attackman. He's versatile. You can run him through the box. You can play him in attack. You can do a lot of different things with him. So I like this pick. That being said, I still don't think the Atlas, the Atlas compete for a PLL championship this year due to their youth. And you want to talk about sneaky? The the chaos had six picks in this draft. I didn't even realize how many picks they had until I looked they through. Traded for one of them. Yeah, because they they take Mac O'Keefe in the first round, the attackman out of Penn State, which I really like. gives yeah. a, gives them some other options. Yeah, love it. They finally get a faceoff guy in Kyle Gallagher, which I which I think is another good pickup. It is. I love it. Uh. Tanner Cook from North Carolina. Jared Bernhardt. Love. Love. That, that, he, was, that was a big pickup. If Bernhardt chooses, play, he's going to play D2 football in the fall. So if he if the chaos can somehow talk him out of going to try to chase his NFL dreams, I don't think he would make it there. He's a great athlete. I don't think he's an NFL athlete. If he comes back to the chaos, one, they successfully did what they tried to do with Teat last year in the draft, but they got a top three pick in the draft. I mean, this number one spot was fought over by Jeff Teat, Jared Bernhardt, and Michael Sowers. The only reason Bernhardt got drafted in the third round is because he's going to play football, and teams are unclear on if he's going to be available this summer or next summer. Yeah. If he's available, oh, my goodness, does the chaos offense get really scary really fast. Yeah, the only only one that I don't know of just because I don't know much about him or the university is Ryan Smith out of Robert Morris. I don't know a ton about Ryan Smith, but what from what I watched um, while watching the draft, he looks pretty good. He looks like he's going to add a good depth to their attack unit. I believe he can be run out of the midfield as well. So some different things that you can do with him versatility-wise. So I'm assuming that is why Coach Andy Towers picked him up for the chaos. Uh, but... Overall, I really liked what they did with their draft. Yeah, it was a good draft. Pretty much everybody. There wasn't anybody in this draft that I was like, yeah, that wasn't very good. The Cannons came away with a pretty good draft. Uh, the Archers probably would be my last team if I had to, like, rank them. The Archers would probably be eighth. But it's not to say that they didn't get good players. Like, they got Trey LeClaire, Jared Connors, and... Connor Gaffney, it just wasn't players that really stick off the board to you. I mean, Trey LeClaire, really good, great shooter, can add a lot of depth to the midfield for the Archers, but I got to see how they try to use them before I'm just dead set on the pick. I do like Jared Connors, though, the LSM out of Virginia. I think he adds a lot to that long stick midfield group because it's really just Scott Scott Ratliff for the Archers, so I, I like that pick. The, the last team, though, the Chrome, I thought the Chrome did a really good job 
addressing what they needed to address with JT Giles Harris in the first round, uh, Ryan Tarafanko in the second, uh, Justin Anderson in the third, and then Jackson Morrill out of Denver in the fourth. I think that that all kind of rounds out. It solidifies their defense, which is already one of the better defenses in the PLL, but it strengthens their offense, which has been up and coming. And I think Morrill can kind of command that offense and be the quarterback from behind the net that they they haven't really had. So I like I like what the Chrome did. I do too. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some boxing cuz it's just it's just weird uh, and won't yeah. we won't talk for very long. And we'll wrap up the show with a little bit of Matt's matters. Jared Peralta, Josh Colvin, wired up. As we come to a close, it's it's getting it's getting bittersweet again. The, my final episode here in the KMSA studios as I am graduating. So very uh, sad. It's gonna be sad. Josh, we can still do wired up. We will do. It's wired just up. it's just now. <laughs> it's just we won't be able to be in the studio together. Yeah, that's that's that kind of hurt, that hurts a little bit. Yeah, it's sad. But but sticking with the world of sports and not trying to get all emotional. All, yeah, all emotional. Boxing. Josh, me and you, we we keep an eye on like some MMA and and stuff like that. We yeah. we I don't I don't pay attention to the world of boxing. Like I think the last time I really got I, or not even the last time, the last time I watched a boxing match was the Mayweather Pacquiao fight like Almost six, seven years ago now. Fair. I mean, the last one I sat down and watched and bought a pay per view. Actually, I didn't buy the pay per view. My friends did. Um, but I watched the Mayweather McGregor fight. That was the last one I watched. Okay. Yeah. So I have never watched, like, I most recently I haven't been invested into boxing. The HBO boxing stuff is really kind of fun to watch, though. I watch that with my dad sometimes. HBO boxing? I yeah. feel like that's, that is a lot it's of fun. It's a good time. But that we're not talking HBO boxing. We Ooh. are talking the world of YouTuber boxing. And I, I don't even know what to call it. I, I would say YouTuber boxing because that's all it is, is a bunch of YouTubers getting into a boxing ring and fighting. Which, okay. I get the appeal. They already have large fan bases as is, so the their their likenesses are sure to sell. And I get that. But the the this boxing match just baffles me on all fronts. Just because one I mean, I don't care for uh, uh, I really don't like either of the Paul brothers at all. Like Jake Paul Logan, or and Logan Paul. Yeah, I I'm I'm right there with you. I, I don't I, like either of them. I don't like them. So it, when I initially heard the rumors that Jake Paul, or not Jake Paul, Logan Paul was going to be fighting Floyd Mayweather, my first thought was, why? And my second thought was, <laughs> was again, why? There's no benefit for really... This, this fight only benefits one person, and it was officially announced... 
I want to say yesterday or the day before that on June 6th, the boxing world is set to, I don't know, do something as Floyd Manny Mayweather is going to take on Logan Paul. And first of all, this is really bad. I don't like this one bit. Main reason. There's a distinct size and weight disadvantage for both of these guys. In fact, I look, Logan Paul, I couldn't even actually find a weight on him. When I looked him up, all his Wikipedia said what Wikipedia said was cruiserweight. So I'm like, well, what does that mean in English? <laughs> like, what does that mean? Floyd Mayweather is only five stands at five foot eight. Logan Paul stands at six two. <coughs> Excuse me. Floyd Mayweather is only 150 pounds compared to Logan Paul, who is anywhere from 175 to 200 pounds. I'm looking at the previous weigh-in. Jake or Logan Paul for the KSI fight. Is this the first or second one? I think they had the... I think this is the second one. Um, So for that weigh-in, he weighed in at 189.6. Okay, so, so so about 39 to 40 pounds heavier. Yes, much bigger size advantage. So, I don't like, okay, I don't care when fighters get into fights because for money, like, just take money fights. That's what we see a lot of the time. McGregor half the time is taking these money fights. That's, that's all he does. Now he the, does, yeah. Yeah. The fight against Mayweather was a money fight. There, there was no way he was actually going to win that one. No. But it was a money fight, so he's like, I'll I'll take that action. This is a money fight where I'm just just wow. I don't get I don't get the appeal for it because there's that distinct size advantage. And if you're Floyd Mayweather, this doesn't benefit you at all. I would almost I I would almost say it would tarnish your career to put this fight on in in your record because of I mean he put the WWE thing in his record too so even that was ridiculous. Hey Jerry, he knocked out the Big Show. Was he wearing brass knuckles and was it fake? Yeah, but, but it was entertaining. Yeah, it was entertaining. It really, I don't know if you watched it, but I ha- it was entertaining. I actually have watched that fight. It, it was very entertaining. I'm just saying that that this just this almost hurts his his brand, and especially if he loses. If he loses to May or to Logan Paul, not. Logan Paul is the only person who will actually benefit from this because both of them are going to get a massive payday. Yes. But if, and I mean if, Logan Paul manages to beat Mayweather, this actually gives him a lot of credibility with his boxing career. Yes. Which which infuriates me (laughs) to no end. I mean, fair. I think think it, it infuriates me a little bit just because... One, this feels like a money play for Mayweather, but he's fighting the wrong Paul brother. Like, Jake Paul right now is the better boxer between him and Logan. So for Floyd well, Jake to Paul's, fight Logan... And Jake Paul has actually taken this 
boxing thing a lot more seriously yeah, than Logan. Rather than fighting KSI twice and kind of disappearing into the, the, the mist. Yeah. Um, but, it, like, who cares about Logan Paul as a boxer right now? Who cares about Logan Paul? It, it just, it, it, it does not make sense to me. And if he really <laughs> thinks he has a chance against the greatest defensive boxer in, in history, he has it twisted. See, and this is where actually Mayweather's height comes in at an advantage to him. Yep. Because now, because Mayweather can get actually get lower than Logan Paul. Mayweather doesn't need to land the big one. In fact, Mayweather made a career out of not really knocking people out, but just outperforming them. He's got a fair amount of knockouts. He's got too, a fair amount of knockouts, but I'm just saying his whole yeah. career, though, was based around... Especially late. Yeah, was based around not taking the big hits, ducking and dodging, and landing a few shots here and there. Mm-hmm. Get the points. So his that, so he's made a career, or towards the end of his career, was all about that. So June 6th, we'll see. <laughs> I just felt the need to talk about this because it baffled me when I saw it. No, I think it's fair. I, I, I think that this is this event is going to get a fair amount of pay-per-view buys, but, I mean, I imagine both of us were probably not going to tune in. But if Logan Paul wins, it just proves that the sport of boxing right now is in such a... It's just a joke at the moment. The state of boxing, if Logan Paul were to beat Floyd Mayweather, it just absolutely crashes it. it I, I don't know if there's there's of course still respect for the sport of boxing because it's a gruesome sport not everybody can do it but it's not looked at as one of those no. great fight sports in it anymore MMA Hell, will completely take over yeah, if Logan that, that, Paul wins that well yeah and that's what has been the big issue is that UFC and MMA has just been on a tear kind of taking over the fighting world and boxing has been so boxing has been so strapped for actual pay-per-view buys that their last biggest one was the was the Tyson Fury fight, 2 fight or or was that it That was a pretty good fight. That was a really good fight. Those two are cuz I'm not talking Mike Tyson, I'm talking Well, yeah, I, I, Tyson Fury and uh I can't remember who he fought. I don't remember um I know both of us did Deontay Wilder. Yeah, the Fury Wilder fight, the the both first and second one, because those were those two guys are heavyweight monsters. Yeah, heavyweight and they, and are they the were both go, and they were both undefeated going into the fight too. Mm-hmm. Heavyweight fights are are the most fun to watch because it's just two big dudes just standing in the middle of the ring, just exchanging blows. Yeah, so that was the last biggest one. And how boxing has been such a state that they had to bring that they brought Mike Tyson out of retirement oh, to to fight only for it to end in a draw. And mind you, Mike Tyson's training videos, he looks scary. I, I mean, I still would not want to mess with that dude oh, no. regardless. But I'm just saying, just for that to end in a draw kind of felt cheated. And then now your second biggest buy in recent years was the Jake the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight. That was terrible. That was a joke of a fight. It was a joke of a fight because Ben Askren's not a striker. He is well, like, I know, but even like the actual fight, it was a, it was a joke. One, Askren didn't train. Yeah, like, he it, he had a he had a dad bod to defeat all dad bodies. He really did. It, it yeah, it's it, this state of boxing right now. It's a joke. 
before we close, I feel like we need to wrap this up with our favorite segment, Bats Matters. All right. All right. I got two for you. They're, I thought they were funny. One of them is a hot, hot take. But the first one, Matt is uh, tweeting in reference to the Broncos taking Patrick Sertan, and he just tweets in all caps, what does this mean? And I love it. I love it. I love he, it. He, he is he is so optimistic about that. And I and honestly, it's it's hilarious that he's that optimistic. Yeah, I'm, I I want to hear. I want to actually talk to Matt about the the Broncos pick because I feel like me and him are going to be at a similar place. Of course, he's going to want Justin Fields to have been drafted. Um, but I think that we could find common ground on this. So, Matt, if you want to talk about the Broncos pick and you're listening, you can give me a call at any point today. But the second one is in reference to the 49ers pick, and this is quite possibly the hottest take out of the draft so far. Yeah, move over, Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> Matt Kennedy's here move, with the, move over, with the hottest takes. Skip. All of them, all of the hot take guys move over right now because Matt Kennedy says, wow, Trey Lance is going to be a starter week one. I, I, I can't necessarily disagree with him because, I mean, I'm, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is that good, but week one is a bit far, Matt. Yeah, I, I he is going to start, but he's there's no way Trey Lance starts week one because I, I, I guarantee you the San 49ers are not completely – Soul, or not completely out on Garoppolo just yet. So well, yeah, and you're going to want your rookie to feel comfortable in the system, and that's not going to happen in four preseason games. No. If they even have the four preseason games, I hope they cut him down to two, but I just don't think Trey Lance is going to be ready by week one. I agree with you. I think he is going to start at some point this season. Week one just seems too early. Yeah. But with that, that's going to wrap up our show. That's going to wrap up my last time here in the KMSA studios. It has been a fun ride. Thank you all for tuning in. And if you have missed any of our live shows and you would like to go back, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. You just look up the Wired Up Sports Podcast with Jerry and Josh, and you can go back and listen to any one of our episodes with some of our rid- most ridiculous takes. That's going to wrap it up here. Thank you all for listening and have a great rest of your great have a great rest of your day and have a fantastic weekend. We will see you all see you all in the next one.